The Truth News Network. From sea to shining sea, across the fruited plain, the land of the free and the home of the brave is denied permission to talk about, hear about, read about real news. Denied by three corporations with ties to our political enemies. Where do you get your doses of the truth? TNN, the Truth News Network. And your anchor is Dan Newman. That would be me, and hello everyone. Welcome back to reality. Yeah, one of the longest holidays of our year. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every Thanksgiving weekend. It's a great time of year. And I hope you had a great time celebrating with your friends and family on Thanksgiving. And that, of course, ushers in the rest of the big holidays. Well, most of the big holidays for us all. Hanukkah begins. We're in the Christmas season, the run-up. And uh, we'll be able to spend, once again, more time with our friends and our relatives for the Christmas holiday. I just had a thought. What day does Christmas fall on? Besides the obvious, the 25th. Let me look real quick. Let's see. December 25th is on Saturday. Oh, my gosh. That's going to mess up a lot of holidays and days off for a lot of workers because, you know, when a when a holiday, a federal holiday falls on the weekend, uh, you know, that, that day they're off, but most employers will give them another day, an additional day. Maybe it's, you know, Friday, so they can travel on Friday and Saturday and be with their friends and family on Sunday. It's decision time. <laughs> and, of course, one week later is New Year's Day. So we have a lot ahead of us, and typically what happens around the nation, when we have holidays, everybody slows down a little bit. But boy, I'm going to tell you what is not slowing down, has not slowed down, and I don't expect that it will slow down, is the uproar, the furor, the constant in our faces with pretty much everything that is ugly in the world around us, especially in the world of politics. Now, there's a whole lot more going on in our world, a lot more important things going on in our world than politics, but those seem to be the areas in which we must look at, we must keep caught up with to make sure we don't lose the important things in our lives. And there are a lot of important things, folks. And we're going to get into a bunch of it today. We're going to start in just a moment with our main story, and uh, I'll get more in the the details of that. We also have a lot of news from across the nation. After all, we haven't been together since Friday. Many of you were traveling and were not able to listen in on Friday. So uh, let me make a recommendation to you. Go back and look at our stories that were published Thursday, Friday, and of course, our bullet point offerings on Saturday. Had over a million people look in on Saturday at our bullet points to catch up on all of the big happenings of the week. Actually, what we are considering right now here at Truth News Network is to do a condensed bullet point offering maybe late in the day, late in the afternoon, every weekday. That way, all of you who are working or uh, out running around and aren't able to keep up with the news that's going on during the days, during work days, maybe you can uh, take a look-see late in the afternoon or noon or early evening and uh, catch up on the stuff that happened during the day. 
I'll let you know, keep you posted more about that if we move in that direction. But I think we are leaning that way. Meanwhile, guess what happened regarding shopping this weekend? There were a lot of people that went shopping and didn't spend any money. One sunglass hut at the Del Monte Shopping Center in Monterey, California. They got hit by a group of four on Friday, and those four didn't buy a thing. They stole an estimated $30,000 in sunglasses. The store manager, Sharna Wyrick, said the bandits were in and out within just two minutes. Two minutes is all it took. They just knew what to do, she said. No rhyme or reason for it. They just knew what to do, when to do it, and how to get the most out of what they were doing. In other words, it was a well-planned attack. That same day, a group of eight, eight, between the ages of 15 and 20, we're not talking about seasoned veteran burglars. We're talking about kids, folks. Eight of them, between the ages of 15 and 20, stole crowbars, hammers, and other tools from a Lakewood, California Home Depot. Think about that. In other words, they're going to get the tools that they can use to break in and loot other places. They only took a $400 bounty from Home Depot in tools. The suspects all fled the store in getaway vehicles parked outside. According to the Sheriff's Department in Monterey, one of the getaway vehicles, believe it or not, was a red Mercedes. (laughs) So you don't have to be dirt poor to rob and loot, right? Crimes were not isolated in the Golden State either. Two mobs of looters ransacked multiple Best Buys in Metro Minnesota Friday night. Both of the ransackings took place shortly after 8 o'clock Friday night. Police say a mob of between 20 and 30 people just rampaged through the Burnsville Best Buy, while a group of 10 to 12 that included juveniles and adults hit the Maplewood store. No injuries, thank God. No one was arrested as of Saturday. More looting was documented in the Midwest. Three men reportedly waltzed into a Chicago footlocker, filled trash bags with merchandise, and fled the area. Of course, we heard all the stories about Black Friday, brought numerous group thefts throughout the country. Looting had been prevalent through the days leading up to Black Friday. On Wednesday, as an example. A group reportedly stole designer handbags from a Nordstrom in the Westfield Topanga Mall in Canoga Park in L.A. The looters made off with an estimated 25 grand. 25 grand. Of course, that could be maybe two designer purses. One incident left a security guard dead while he was protecting a news crew in L.A. The victim's name is Kevin Nashida, he left behind a wife, two kids, and three grandchildren. He was a armed security guard for Star Protection Agency and a former cop. That news crew, KRON4, the news crew, was covering a story on Wednesday about a recent robbery where 12 thieves wearing masks and hoods raided a clothing store on the 300 block of 14th Street. Nishida was shot in the lower abdomen, later died as a result of his injuries. In a separate incident, police say a man was fatally stabbed just outside a Houston Best Buy on Friday. 
Happened about 6 o'clock in the evening. Witnesses stated the victim and another guy were seen walking together to the business, having an argument that escalated into a physical altercation in the parking lot. I see this guy, one said. He hit the guy on the floor, then like he didn't care, and he hit him in his face, and then he hit him with the knife. Then he walked away. That was from one witness in Houston. The suspect is described only as a black male with dreads wearing a yellow reflective traffic vest. All of this mayhem of Thanksgiving week follows a three-night-long free-for-all in the Bay Area in California last weekend. Looters hit high-end stores like Louis Vuitton and Yves Saint Laurent in San Francisco's Union Square. That was on the 19th, 10 days ago. The next night, a group of between 50 and 80 rushed to Walnut Creek Nordstrom near San Francisco. Police estimate between $100,000 and $200,000 was lifted from the department store. On the 21st, a Lululemon in San Jose was ransacked. At least 40000 in merch was stolen from that store. This is just nuts, folks. But it just kind of feeds into the fodder that we're hearing play out every day. There's so much anger. There's so much hatred, and it just keeps when you think it's gotten to the highest level that it could possibly exist in. It just gets worse, and it gets worse. No explanation for it other than cheater's going to cheat, stealer's going to steal, hater's going to hate. It's human nature, folks. And if we all don't take control of it within ourselves, it spills out onto others and we see stuff and we'll continue to see stuff like this. And sadly, I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to say it's going to get worse as we get closer to Christmas and New Year's. People are mad. People are very upset with what's going on around us. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. But, well, there's a big weekend story that came out late during the weekend. All right, all right, all right. After teasing a potential campaign for nearly a year, Matthew McConaughey, he announced yesterday he's not going to be running to try to become the next governor of Texas. And uh, I tell you what, let's do it. Instead of me telling you about it, how about let's do this? Let's listen to the actor, Matthew McConaughey, explain his decision. Hey, everybody, McConaughey here. Listen, over the past two years, I've been working on the answer to the question of how I can be most useful in this life going forward. Useful to myself, useful to my family, and to the most amount of people. One category of service I've been exploring is politics. I've been considering a run for the governor of Texas. I've been listening, I've been learning, I've been measuring, I've been studying Texas politics and American politics. What have I learned? A lot. That we have some problems we need to fix. That our politics needs new purpose. That we have divides that need healing. That we need more trust in our lives. That we gotta start shining a light on our shared values the ones that cross party lines, the ones that build bridges instead of burn them. That our children are our greatest asset. So, hey, let's be as good a parents as we can be. I've learned that freedom comes with responsibility and that great leaders serve. 
Whether a politician, a CEO, star quarterback, a mother, father, husband, wife, brother, friend, mentor, or teacher, we lead by serving each other. We lead through our service. What is service? Service is taking on responsibility today so we can have more freedom tomorrow. Service is making the better choice for you and for me. Service is the investment we make in ourselves. So, can we recognize that when we serve others, we actually serve ourselves and vice versa? Do we have the courage to help out more than we hurt? Can we expect to get what we earn more than what we think we deserve? Can we give ourselves more reasons to trust each other first instead of last? That's the leadership that we need. That's the investment in our states and our country that we need. That's the investment we need. As a simple kid born in the little town of Uvalde, Texas, it never occurred to me that I would one day be considered for political leadership. It's a humbling and inspiring path to ponder. It is also a path that I'm choosing not to take at this moment. What am I gonna do? I'm going to continue to work and invest the bounty I have by supporting entrepreneurs, businesses, and foundations that I believe are leaders, establishments that I believe are creating pathways for people to succeed in life, organizations that have a mission to serve and build trust while also generating prosperity. That's the American dream. And politicians, well, the good ones can help us get to where we need to go, yeah. But let's be clear. They can't do anything for us unless we choose to do for ourselves. So to the leaders and the servants out there and the leader and servant in each one of us, cheers to you. Here's to the freedom to be you, the freedom to be me, and to our responsibility to be us. In the meantime, and all times, and until next time, just keep living. I could have I told you the things he said in that, but I got to be honest with you, after I listened to it and saw him, I watched it a couple of times on, it's a YouTube video. He uh, obviously does these videos from his own house in Texas. I wanted you to hear for yourself. He can explain things and put things in common language that those of us that uh, maybe aren't in the elite class, the in, enlightened and endowed ones can understand. And I get it. I actually do. I mean, Come on now. Think about it. Think about his life. You've seen his wife. Oh, she's absolutely gorgeous. They have a great family. He's from Texas. They live in Texas. And every once in a while, he'll go to Hollywood and do a movie and make, you know, another $20 million or so to stack in the, the, the vault where he keeps his other tens of millions of dollars that he has. Why would a guy like Matthew McConaughey even want to get into politics. Just imagine how low he would have to stoop and the things that he would have to do and the things that he would have to give up if he got into politics. You know what, folks? That's the kind of guy I would like to get into politics just because he doesn't go anywhere with his hand out because he doesn't need to put his hand out anywhere he goes. I'm going to blow some people away. I know there are some of you that consider yourselves progressives. You're going to hear what I'm about to say, and it's going to blow your mind. I know it is. He doesn't need to pay anybody. He doesn't need to be indebted or obligated to anybody. 
And I think Matthew McConaughey, just like, here we go, you're going to get mad. Donald Trump fit that mold. They don't need anybody to give them anything. So therefore, nothing in their lives is for sale. Why? Because they don't need to sell it. You know that thing like integrity, honesty, working exclusively, following the oath of office they all take when they become our servants, which is to promote and to protect our government, which is, by the way, just a reminder, supposed to be government of the people, by the people, and for the people, not of, by, and for politicians. Wow. Just jumped right out there this morning, didn't I? Hey, let me tell you what we're going to do. Biggest story we've published in a while, and I've got some more inside information that I want to share with you that comes from today's story. I just looked a moment ago. We've already had three quarters of a million of you read the story today, but we're going to do an audio version of it and some back and forth. That's up right after this break at TNN Live. Don't go away. Are you ready for best life minus the burnout? I'm Zuri Hall from NBC's Access Hollywood, and my new podcast, Hot Happy Mess, is all about the most important VIP, you. Join us each Monday as we discuss relationships, self-care, career, and much more. Our podcast is for mindful, ambitious, diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness, laughter, peace, and purpose now. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to Hot Happy Mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... (sighs) My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. (coughs) I cough all the time. Seriously? (sighs) I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now. Or later, because these Staples Everyday Price Cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These Everyday Price Cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing Everyday Price Cuts. Thank you. In a world where a president can be censored by social media in his own country, you need a break from the madness. Your doctor of sanity again, Dan Newman. 
Have you ever wondered why it is that we are mired still in this COVID-19 pandemic and we have been for more than a year and we know virtually nothing more absolutely and we get a lot of ideas a lot of people tell us well here's a fact this is the truth we hear that all the time but then only to find out that what we're being told isn't necessarily the truth it happens all the time and folks i'm getting tired of it and i'm sure you are too so with all of this stuff coming up and we got this new variant we'll talk about that a little later in the show Let me ask you a question today. Is COVID-19 2021, is COVID-19 a test run for something else? And we're going to dive right into this. And and, and let me tell you this. Um, We're going to reference the story at truthnewsnet.org. It's on the front page today. That's the title. Is COVID-19 2020-2021 a test run for something else? You'll be able, if you have to leave us, you'll be able to go to the website, truthnewsnet.org, and read it. It includes a video and a couple of uh, references and links to some stories, and also a second video that we made the audio version of and put down at the bottom of the, the story that will blow your mind. You don't need to go anywhere. You're going to hear Dr. Fauci in a few moments, and you're going to hear that audio that asks a question that is going to blow everybody's mind. Do you think this is a precursor to something else? Conspiracy theories regarding every part of this pandemic are everywhere. Some of those conspiracies have been outlandish for certain, but isn't the fact that any theory is a conspiracy theory always outlandish until one or two of them are confirmed to have not been conspiracies? So how do we know? How do we discern which are real and which are actual conspiracy? Well, there's no magic answer for that question. There are no formulas, no in-stone definitions, no magical medical test for medical conspiracy theories. But if that is true, how can we tell which are real and which are not? The importance of knowing all the facts surrounding any conspiracy got to be confirmed they must be debunked. And that's what today's fact checkers do. And you know them. You see them all the time. They're Snopes.com, FactCheck.org, OwlFactor, Credder, PolitiFact.org, and Lissle, L-I-S-T-L-E, to name a few. But here's our problem. None of these and none of the other fact checkers are reliable all the time. But they certainly weigh in on everything in the news immediately following any suspect piece of information is released and someone starts to share it. Unfortunately, this initiates another even more important question for your consideration. Who fact-checks the fact-checkers? The answer? Other fact-checkers. So who the heck can we believe? Even today... Tens of millions of people still question the source or sources and the realities of COVID-19 in every part of this pandemic. We could spend this entire week publishing story after story, illustrating how crazed people are about it. And we're not going to do that. But think about this. 
Trillions of dollars have been spent in the quest to stop this killer virus, and it is a killer virus, and 5,200,000, excuse me, yeah, that's right, 5,200,216 people have died worldwide. That's according to Worldometer. Drug manufacturers are making billions directly from governments to produce very suspect vaccines, all of which, listen closely, all of which every vaccine has side effects, nasty side effects that include death, permanent disabilities, and a bunch of other ones. Now we're told we need two, three of these vaccinations and boosters that, as it turns out, we're being told maybe lifetime annual booster shots. Unquestionably, governments worldwide have seized control of their citizens using the fear of COVID-19 as justification for their taking over the lives of their people. First, you remember, it was mask up, social distance, lockdown for 14 days, and we'll get through this. Then government business lockdowns, but only impacting hand-picked businesses like, you know, bars, strip clubs, big box store chains like Walmart, Sam's Club, all the grocery store chains, renamed open for being necessary. Have you noticed what happened as this total lockdown worldwide began to slowly be exposed as unnecessary? Think about it. COVID-19 cases and deaths did not stop. The numbers were given and they ebb and flow. But a year into this pandemic, we see no end in sight, although they tell us, look, if you do this, you do that, we're going to get through this. The vaccines are not working. They're not working at least how the experts guaranteed they would. We still have infections. We still have deaths from the virus. As we now get nothing but excuses from those experts claiming the virus has morphed once, twice, three times, and that's just so far. That means, of course, we're all forced back to the drawing board for our third, fourth, fifth round of mandates for masks, social distancing, business closings, lockdowns, brand new fears initiated by these very same experts. With every new surge in cases, Dr. Fauci and some of his other minions are sought by news outlets for their latest projections and instructions for us to dodge COVID death. There's absolutely no accountability for the mispredictions and must-do orders when it's proven again and again to have not worked as they promised or it hadn't worked at all. Politicians around the world have all sown fear among the population of their countries, using it as a tool They can test the nerve of their citizens by forcing even more lockdowns, more closures, even using police arrest of those who dare to ignore all of their totalitarian measures, and they're all lumped into a thing called mandates. None of what I've just said is news. None of it is. You, like me, I'm sure you've spent hours trying to figure out what is really happening in COVID world and why it's happening. And you, like me, can probably come up with just one or two possible answers. 
And the answers the experts keep giving us don't align with the results that they've promised to us all. None of this adds up to the results they gave us beginning in January of 2020 that have been adjusted when previous ones fail only for the adjustments to fail as well. It all makes me question whether we're hearing the truth or is there something else going on that we don't know about? Let's make a quick trip backwards and listen to the COVID father of the United States, Anthony Fauci, from way back in 2017. There will be a surprise outbreak. Given, as you heard from the introduction, that I have been around for a while and have had the opportunity and and the privilege and the pleasure of serving in five administrations, um, I thought I would bring that perspective to the topic today is the issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. And I hope by the end of my relatively short presentation, you will understand why history, the history of the last 32 years that I've been the director of NIAID will tell the next administration that there's no doubt in anyone's mind that they will be faced with the challenges that their predecessors were faced with. So for those who think that infectious diseases is gone, there's so many people who've made foolhardy statements not knowing at the time that they made them. I usually show a quote from an old surgeon general or an old uh, pundit in infectious disease. So I thought I'd pull this one out from Sir McFarlane Burnett, who was actually a uh, Uh, Nobel Prize winning immunologist uh, who made the statement, as many did, to write about infectious diseases is almost to write of something that has passed into history. The most likely forecast about the future of infectious diseases is that it will be very dull, uh, which is really kind of interesting coming from a semi-genius like McFarlane Burnett. And I think what he did in the mistake that so many people have made is something that several of our panelists have already referred to. And that is a failure to look beyond our own borders in the issue of the globality of health issues. Not only things that are there that will come here, but surprises that we have. What are the lessons that we learned from HIV? One, you have to commit substantial financial and human resources. These things don't get uh, addressed spontaneously by themselves. You have to enlist the best and the brightest investigators in both basic and clinical research. You have to involve the community, be it the gay community in the United States or the community in Africa and West Africa when we dealt with Ebola or the people in South America when we're dealing with Zika. You have to have cross-sector collaboration. You can't do it alone. The CDC can't do it alone. The NIH can't do it alone. You do it with all of us, with industry, with global organizations, with philanthropy and NGOs. 
And you gotta get the leaders and the policymakers involved. What is for sure that no matter what, history has told us definitively that it will happen because infectious diseases, as I said eight years ago in this article with David Morins and Greg Fokers, that it is a perpetual challenge. It is not gonna go away. So the thing we're extraordinarily confident about is that we are gonna see this in the next few years. Thank you. 2017, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yeah, you heard him ask the question, what did we learn during the AIDS epidemic? Well, let me tell you one thing we learned. His miracle drug that he found, he researched, he brought it to the marketplace, AZT. You remember that? That was the only, only cure, only possible cure for HIV AIDS. Well, guess what? It's estimated AZT directly killed 300,000 Americans that were diagnosed. They were prescribed AZT and took it on a doctor's watch, a protocol that Anthony Fauci created, and they died. AZT is no longer available because it was killing people. It wasn't curing people. And what do folks like Anthony Fauci say? We're sorry. Hate that when it happens. That's just one example. We could go all day about there. Where did that prediction from Fauci, early 2017, this is actually before Donald Trump really got started, and Fauci's up taking the bully pulpit, and he's saying, this administration is going to experience a medical crisis. How the heck did he know that? When he made that statement, which is specific as possible without naming an exact disease or date, was he considering some virus or bacteria that was known at that time? And then there's his compadre, Bill Gates. Bill Gates, folks, is far more than just the guy who founded Microsoft and invented PCs. He operates one of the wealthiest and the biggest foundations in world history. They spend billions of dollars in healthcare research, primarily in vaccine exploration and implementation. He too has spoken extensively about our coming pandemics. Like this, the next deadly disease that will cause a global pandemic is coming. Bill Gates said that on a Friday at discussions of epidemics. In that same conversation, he said, we're not ready. An illness like the pandemic 1918 influenza that could kill 30 million people within six months, Gates said, adding the next disease might not even be a flu, but something we've never seen. The world should prepare as it does for war, he said. That came during a symposium, folks, in 2008 discussing our needs for preparation for the next global pandemic. It's as if Fauci and Gates, who, by the way, who have worked very closely this century in collaborations in the area of viral and bacterial diseases, each know something regular Americans know nothing about. And it's about pandemics, horrible diseases, and creating medications to stop them and cure them. So what do they know that we don't know. Then there was this, 
back in November, way back in November, 10 years ago, 2011, during the Obama administration. Over the last year, the Obama administration has aggressively pushed a $433 million plan to buy an experimental smallpox drug, despite uncertainty over whether it needed or that it will work. Senior officials have taken unusual steps to secure the contract for New York-based SEGA Technologies Incorporated, whose controlling shareholder is billionaire Ronald O. Perlman, one of the world's richest men and a longtime Democratic Party donor. The story details the process of and describes the necessity for accumulating almost a half billion dollars worth of an experimental smallpox drug, not a vaccine. The story was published in the Los Angeles Times. It details the process and gives explanations for this massive transaction. And I suggest later you read the story for yourself. The link is in the article that's published today on the front page of truthnewsnet.org. But there's more. There's more. Quietly, the Biden administration has been buying large amounts of anti-smallpox medicine. Here's a little bit about it. The use of T-pox, T-P-O-X-X, for PEP, P-E-P, could provide significant potential benefits in the event of a smallpox pandemic or outbreak. While vaccines would play an important role in containing the spread of smallpox, they're only effective if administered prior to infection or no later than four days after infection. However, symptoms of smallpox don't typically appear until about 14 days post-infection, and there is currently no diagnostic test to determine infection prior to symptom onset. With this uncertainty of an individual's infection status in that two-week period and the highly contagious nature of smallpox, the administration of a vaccine in combination with T-pox could be as important a strategy for reducing morbidity and mortality in a smallpox outbreak. Dosing of T-pox in the PEP indication is expected to be 28 days rather than the 14-day dosing currently recommended for its use in treating patients with active smallpox infections. This would increase the amount of T-pox used for each exposed person compared with each infected person. During our FDA advisory committee meeting in May of 2018, several committee members emphasized the importance of evaluating the potential use of T-pox, not only to treat smallpox symptomatic infection, but also to treat patients with known smallpox exposure who have not yet developed symptoms. That's Dr. Phil Gomez. He's the CEO of that company, SEGA. An expansion of the T-pox label to include its use for PEP, P-E-P, would provide greater flexibility to deliver T-pox to those who might benefit from treatment during a potential outbreak. And there's more to that story. And again, the link to that full story is on the front page of truthnewsnet.org. So do I really feel like another pandemic is on its way and that it might be 
or will be a smallpox pandemic? Got to be honest with you, I have no idea. But when all of the secrets regarding COVID-19 and its origins and the seemingly carefully prepared boo-boos that have been made by these medical professionals like Dr. Anthony Fauci and its prevention and treatment recommendations, people much smarter than me have begun to question if any of this pandemic might have been coordinated. And I'm being kind when I use that word, coordinated. It certainly has been manipulated by many who we have trusted. Bill Gates has famously stated he's expecting what he called pandemic number two to happen at any time. So before we end this this story, which we're in the process of doing here in just a second, I want you to listen to listen to a story. Listen to a story. It's good to know. It's good to know to cause us to grab as much information as possible to be prepared for the possibility. Maybe it's not going to be smallpox. Maybe it's going to be ongoing versions, variants of COVID-19. I don't know. But before we leave the smallpox thought, I want you to listen to this audio. Before recent headlines, most of us haven't been thinking much about smallpox. But an important timeline of events published by Corey Diggs shows us how the same foundations, corporations, and NGOs responsible for COVID-19 have been very busy with smallpox. Since June of 2001, when the Center for Strategic and International Studies, Johns Hopkins, and ANSWER, who was awarded the majority of money for Operation Warp Speed, simulated a smallpox attack on U.S. citizens named Dark Winter. We're about to go into a dark winter, a dark winter. And begin preparing for a smallpox attack. In September of 2007, the FDA licensed a new modern smallpox vaccine made by Sanofi Pasteur. In 2014, six vials of smallpox are found in a cardboard box at the NIH and transferred to the CDC. Months later, the first antiviral drug used to treat smallpox was created, funded by Bill Gates and the Wellcome Trust. On October 6, 2017, Emergent Biosolutions, responsible for a vaccine that injured over 300,000 soldiers, acquired the smallpox vaccine contract from Sanofi Pasteur. In July of 2018, the FDA approves a drug to treat smallpox made by Sega Technologies, who signs a contract to maintain a stockpile of 1.7 million doses of their antiviral drug. September 3, 2019, Emergent Biosolutions is awarded $2 billion to deliver their smallpox vaccine into the national stockpile. Weeks later, one of only two labs in the world known to store live samples of the variola virus that causes smallpox suffers an explosion. And the FDA approves a vaccine to prevent both smallpox and monkeypox. In March of 2021, 
Merck secures over $300 million from the Biden administration and the Bill Gates Foundation to convert, upgrade, and equip their facilities. In June of 2021, the FDA approves the antiviral treatment for smallpox, which was funded by Bill Gates and the Wellcome Trust in 2014. In July, Oxford University assists SEGA in expanding use of their monkeypox drugs into the Central African Republic. On Halloween, Joe Biden signs an executive order to exercise authority over the national defense stockpile. Weeks later, Bill Gates warns governments of a smallpox terror attack. Seven days after that, several vials of smallpox are incidentally discovered at the Merck facility in Pennsylvania. The very next day, a rare case of monkeypox is discovered in Maryland. What else are we not listening to that we need to take action on now? Well, the, the idea of a, a bioterrorist attack is kind of the nightmare scenario because they're a pathogen with a high death rate would be picked. Now, the good news is most of the work we're gonna do to be ready for pandemic two, I, I call this pandemic one. For Infowars.com, this is Greg Reese. You heard it, folks. You heard it for yourself. And you can get that audio file by reading today's story at the homepage of Truth News Network, www.truthnewsnet.org. Wow. Once again, I got to make it very clear to all of you, I am not a conspiracy theorist. I am not. I'm not one of those people. I'm not going to be one of those people. I have no idea if any of this is true. Please don't think, and please don't tell anyone else that Truth News Network is forecasting a purposeful smallpox pandemic or any kind of pandemic. That's not what we're doing. Not what the story today is about. It's about fact-finding. Consider this. Can you say factually that we will not have a smallpox or other type of pandemic? Nobody can truthfully say that. We certainly don't feel it's going to happen for certain, but we do question how and why all the puzzle pieces in a puzzle that has been labeled for decades as manipulated healthcare emergencies seems to be fitting into a picture of that very thing. Isn't it? Considering all of this, isn't it prudent to consider all of the possibilities and eliminate them one by one? After all, smallpox is deadlier than even COVID-19. Read the story today. Watch the Fauci video. Listen to the audio links above. If you do that, if for no other reason than to consider others' opinions you'll be able to to develop a thought process of your own about all of this. Put to rest some ideas that you may have held and maybe determine there are other things that we all at least need to consider. Wouldn't it be better to feel confident if we can tell our kids and our grandchildren, I know there's nothing to be afraid of regarding getting sick. Our leaders have made all the preparations for us so that we don't have to worry about getting sick, as did many during COVID-19. 
You can't tell your kids that right now. You can't tell your grandchildren that right now. I want to tell my kids and my grandkids that today, but I cannot, at least not honestly. Until I can, I'm going to keep digging. You're welcome to come along for the ride. And by the way, as we go along for the ride, I want you to understand something. You're very welcome. And I welcome your opinions anytime. We at Truth News Network, we are looking constantly for information. Let me hear from you. Send us links, stories, whatever. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. And to exacerbate this entire thing, guess what? A new COVID variant. A new sheriff in town. We've got that next. Don't go anywhere. In a world gone mad, telling the truth is a bold move. Your anchor in this sea of chaos is TNN, the Truth News Network. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> Bob? Whoa, looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. And now back to John with the weather. Yes, Andy, tonight a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pan Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free! Don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi soccer offer. With every two medium pan Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Andy? Don't resist and call 19,000 now. Yeah, just when you think it's safe to come out of the water, we find out there's another shark in the water. And this one, it's not uh, COVID-19, it's not the Delta variant, all the other variants that we've heard about so far. This one has a name, though. They've already named it Omicron, O-I-M-I-C-R-O-N, Omicron. And it first showed up in South Africa. So what's the... National Institutes of Health. What's the um, CDC saying about Omicron? It just came to light over the weekend. So a lot of uncertainties around this variant of the virus. So the NIH said it's going to take weeks before scientists understand how effective the vaccines are at protecting against it. And I mean, you think about it, they're not very effective against the ones that we know about and we've had floating around. On Fox News Sunday yesterday, Francis Collins, he's the director of the National Institutes of Health. He said the fact that the newly classified Omicron has more than 30 mutations on its spike proteins, 30 of them, they're predicting, well, you've got Omicron and then you've got Omicron variant number one, number two, number three, number four, all the way through number 30. More than 30 of those in spike protein 
mutations, which is the part of the virus that attacks attaches to our human cells if you get infected. That's a new record in terms of the number of mutations, he continued. It does make you worry, therefore, that it's a sufficiently different virus that it might not respond as well to protection from the vaccines. But we don't know that. Now, let me ask you this. We just heard about this thing Saturday. Saturday. And they already know there are at least 50 mutations of Omicron. 50. How'd they find out about them so quickly? According to Collins, it's going to take two, three weeks in both laboratory and field studies for scientists to figure out these answers. He nonetheless encouraged everybody to get the existing vaccines and booster shots, which he said have provided protection against the Delta variant. Hopefully would do the same to Omicron. I guess that's why um, in Michigan, they're close to and will probably get today or tomorrow to maximum capacity in every hospital, every intensive care unit in the state because the vaccines are working so effectively. South African doctor who first alerted us about the presence of COVID-19 Omicron reported that it presents unusual but mild symptoms. Dr. Angelique Kotsi, a board member of the South African Medical Association, first noticed otherwise healthy patients demonstrating unusual symptoms a week ago. Their symptoms were so different and so mild from those I had treated before. It presents mild disease with symptoms being sore muscles, tiredness for a day or two, not feeling well. This is Dr. Coetzee. So far, we've detected that those infected don't suffer the loss of taste or smell. They might have a slight cough. There are no prominent symptoms of those infected. Some are currently being treated at home. Nicosi reported about 24 of her patients that tested positive for the coronavirus displayed these new symptoms. She alerted officials to the possibility of a new variant which the WHA on Friday designated the Omicron variant. And then Dr. Collins yesterday, he tells everybody, oh, there are already 50 mutants, 50 mutations of this new Omicron variant. Dr. Kosey said most of her patients were men who reported feeling so tired, half of them were unvaccinated. I guess that means the other half were. (laughs) So you got a 50-50 shot at best against this Omicron if you've got a vaccination, kind of like the same odds if you get the original COVID-19 and its variants. She said the patients infected comprised a range of ages and ethnicities. Dr. Coetzee started briefing other African medical associations on Saturday discussing the variety of symptoms, such as one very interesting case of a six-year-old child with a fever and a very high pulse rate. What we've got to worry about now is that when older, unvaxxed people are infected with the new variant. And if they're not vaccinated, we're going to see many people with a severe form of the disease, Dr. Coetzee said. Huh. Wonder how she knows that. She just saw the first few cases 
and she didn't even name them. So far, the hospitals in South Africa are not yet overburdened. The doctor's advertisement, advisement, excuse me, follows a report by Tulio D. Oliveira, the director of South Africa's Center for Epidemic Response and Innovation. Oliveira told reporters the virus has a very unusual constellation of mutations, most notably 10 variants on a key protein that helps the virus infect humans, compared to the Delta variants, two mutations, and the Beta variants, three. Well, she said 10 variants. Collins yesterday said 50. Wow. So how many is it? When's it going to happen? When's it going to come our way? You can book it. We knew when this first came out early on the weekend. First time I heard about Omicron, first question I ask is, when is it going to hit us? Well, as of going on the air just uh, an hour ago, no cases yet in the U.S., but we do have some, two cases in Canada. Wow. The cases were reported in two people who just recently got back from Nigeria. And these people are in Ontario. That's the province where Toronto is. The detection of Omicron has triggered global alarm. Governments around the world scrambled to impose new travel restrictions. Markets sold off, fearing the variant could be resistant to vaccinations and upend a nascent economy reopening for a two-year, right after a two-year global pandemic. And guess who else was out on the stages yesterday? Not just Dr. Collins, head of the NIH, but his minion, Dr. Anthony Fauci. She went on CBS's Face the Nation. And I'm not going to play the audio version of what he had to say. I'll give you, I'm going to give you some of the back and forth with the host that he had, Margaret Brennan. But she, uh, he said senators like Ted Cruz from Texas and Rand Paul of Kentucky criticizing him, which they do incessantly, just because he doesn't tell the truth. Fauci gets on CBS and he calls Ted Cruz and Rand Paul liars. They're lying, he said, while he is saving lives. Brennan said, there's a congressional act with your name on it, literally. Fauci, yes, exactly, and it's just a lot of, well, anyway. And then Brennan says, finish the thought. Fauci said, no, no. There's a lot of politicization of that, and I think there's a lot of misinformation, disinformation, outright lies about that. That's really unfortunate. And Brennan said, you're angry about it, Fauci. Well, you know. My concern that I keep saying is that my job is to do what I can as a scientist to preserve and protect the health of the American public and indirectly, in many respects, the health of the world because our country is a leader in science, a leader in health, a leader in the kinds of things. Where do these vaccines come from that are saving millions of people? They came from us. That's my job. The politicization of it is really unfortunate because, as I've said, I've stayed away from politics my entire life. B.S. 
I threw that in. He continued, I am somebody who only cares about science and health. And it is, you're right, it's painful and disturbing to see when you're trying to focus all of your attention on doing what you can do the way we did to create the vaccines, to develop the drugs, to save millions of lives. And then you have this completely outlandish politicization of it. Brennan, the two Washington Post reporters said that back in July of 2020, you had been speaking to your wife about resigning. Fauci, I never spoke to my wife ever about resigning. They got that wrong. I never even considered for a moment of resigning. Brennan, why do you feel so strong about that, about staying on the job when you become, I mean, you were personally not just rhetorically threatened your security, your safety, your family? How did you deal with that? Fauci, and you can hear the patriotic music playing in the background. I dealt with it by focusing on what my job is from the time that I went into medicine to write down. Where I am at my age, my job has been totally focused on doing what I can with the talents and the influence I had to make scientific advances to protect the health of the American public. So anybody, anyone who spends lives and threatens and all that theater that goes on with some of the investigations and the congressional committees and the Rand Pauls and all that other nonsense, that's noise. That's noise. I know what my job is. Brennan, Senator Cruz told the Attorney General you should be prosecuted. Fauci, yeah, I have to laugh at that. I should be prosecuted? What happened on January 6th, Senator? Brennan, do you think that this is about making you a scapegoat to deflect? Fauci, of course. Brennan, from President Trump? Fauci, of course. You have to be asleep not to figure that one out. Brennan, well, there are a lot of Republican senators taking aim at this. I mean, Fauci, that's okay. I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to be saving lives, and they're going to be lying. Brennan, it just seems another layer of danger to play politics around matters of life and death. Fauci, right, exactly, exactly. And to me, that's unbelievably bad because all I want to do is save people's lives. Anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. There's a face. There's a voice you can recognize. You see him on television. So it's easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science because, listen closely, folks, Fauci actually said this phrase, I represent science. That's dangerous. Now, he's referencing what they're doing, talking about him. But I'll tell you, my opinion is, yeah, that's dangerous. Him saying that I represent science, that's dangerous to me. And he finished with this. To me, they're saying these things is more dangerous than the slings and the arrows that get thrown at me. And if you damage science... You are doing something very detrimental to society long after I leave. 
So what's he talking about, Rand Paul? You probably have heard it. What's Rand Paul done? Recently, he blasted Fauci for obfuscating the truth about the National Institutes of Health funding gain-of-function research after the organization admitted in a letter to House Oversight Committee ranking member James Comer of Kentucky that a limited experiment was indeed conducted. Fauci, during an interview with Face of the Nation, he dismissed that opposition. You just heard a little bit of it. Have you seen any of the back and forth in Senate committee hearings between Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, who's a doctor, by the way, and uh, Anthony Fauci about Fauci lying, which he did. He lied dramatically over and over again and still maintains the lie that his organization, NIAID, never funded gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology which is where all the things point toward that being the source spot of COVID-19. Facts come out and disprove exactly what Fauci said. They did, on his watch, they did fund gain-of-function research. If you're not familiar with what that is, for some reason, and I'll give you the excuses that the scientists that do this, they give us for justification of doing any gain-of-function research, they take a bacteria, a cell, or a viral cell, and they make it stronger. They make it more infectious, more nasty. Why they would do that's beyond me. Their explanation is they want it to be created to be stronger so that before the variants of these bacterias and viruses happen, they already know a way to beat it. To me, folks, that makes absolutely no sense. And what we told you and what's in our story today regarding smallpox and this government and the, the previous government when Biden was not in the White House but in the presidential administration of Barack Obama, they bought millions and millions and millions of dollars of medicine to treat smallpox infections. None of this makes any sense unless there's something going on that we don't know about. And this troubles me. So Rand Paul, after Fauci did his thing yesterday on Face the Nation, he went to Twitter to respond to Fauci's claims and he called it absolute hubris for Fauci to declare that he represents science. It's astounding, Rand Paul said, and alarming that a public health bureaucrat would even think to claim such a thing, especially one who has worked so hard to ignore the science of natural immunity. Fauci also dismissed a suggestion from Senator Cruz that he should be prosecuted by the Attorney General over his comments about the gain-of-function research. Cruz tweeted... It's a crime to knowingly lie to Congress. So I asked Attorney General Garland if he'd appoint a special prosecutor to investigate Fauci. Fauci laughed at it, asking, what happened on January 6th? In a five-tweet Twitter thread issued in response to Fauci's comment against him on Sunday, 
Cruz excoriated Fauci as an unelected technocrat who has distorted science and facts in order to exercise authoritarian control over millions of Americans. Saying that Fauci lives in a liberal world, Cruz went on to cite the section of the U.S. Code that both he and Rand Paul allege Fauci violated when he testified before a Senate committee in May that the National Institutes of Health has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Cruz also blasted Fauci for trying to deflect lawmakers' criticism against him by resorting to ad hominem insults, parroting Democrat talking points, and concluded by reiterating that the DOJ should prosecute Dr. Fauci. So where are you? in all of this hoo-ha. Here we are an hour and eight minutes into the show. We've covered a couple of other things, but we spent a considerable amount of time discussing this um, latest question mark, a plethora, a bucket full of question marks, unanswered questions about our present COVID-19 debacle, and it's one after another. It's not just one, and now we have another one, Omicron, We have the Delta variant. We have other variants going on. And the NIH director, Dr. Collins, just let it slip out yesterday that they already know Omicron has 50, 50 variants that we're certainly going to see roll out in coming weeks and months. And you can bet, you can bet that's exactly what's going to happen. Collins must be a prophet. He has, just like Fauci did, forecasted a pandemic. And now Bill Gates, you heard him in that soundbite, he predicted pandemic number two for us. So let me tell you what you better do. You better put on your big boy and big girl pants because you can almost write it down in stone. We're going to have another big one. It may be another variant of COVID that is worse than what we've seen. But let me tell you why I'm confident of this. And this isn't, I'm going to preface this going into it by telling you, this is my opinion. I have no facts other than what we have presented here to you today. Remember our promise to you, we find facts. We only present facts. And if we're, talking about something that's out in the marketplace of ideas, it's because we've discovered it, we've found it, we've either determined it's truth or it's falsehood when we bring you the story and we always tell you which one that is, or we tell you, look, we haven't been able to figure this one out yet, but it's important enough for you to know about. If and when we find the truth or the falsehood about this, we'll come back and tell you but we want you to know it's out there. A lot of people talking about it, and it's getting a lot of traction. That's where I am on this thing, and it's not about just smallpox. It could be anything. I believe we are looking down the barrel of pandemic two. Why do I believe that? Because the same sycophants at the top, wealthiest, formerly wealthiest man on planet Earth, Bill Gates, who has been doing this... uh, research through 
the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for decades, spending billions of dollars perfecting vaccines. Now, there's one other thing we didn't even mention here. Bill Gates and his father are both eugenicists. They believe aggressively in population control. Now, just put that in your little peace pipe to smoke while you're considering all this other stuff. There's still a lot of questions, folks. Still a bunch of them. And we still need to find a bunch of answers. Now, let me tell you one we're going to jump into in just a moment. Let's just suppose that Joe Biden makes it through the end of this first term. He, he, he weathers the storms. I can't imagine any other storms or any worse storms coming up, but there are some out there that could very easily uh, take away his options to even run again for re-election if he wanted to. But let's just suppose he doesn't make it to the end, or he does and then decides not to run in 2024. Who's the Democrat Party going to put up there? Hmm. A couple of names came out over the weekend. I think you're going to want to hear this right after this. Little Caesars Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni, you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring 649 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesars. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesars Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just 649 Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Shop at H&M, be stylish, be trendy, with women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today! Hashtag Hot and Modern Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar. Or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And Dan Newman. What was the number one thing that your mama over and over and over again warned you about? I'm going to tell you, my mom was a neat freak. I mean, she was beyond, and I think I inherited a little bit of that. Now, don't 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 throw any rocks at me, those of you who know me. I am a need freak. Things have to be in their proper place. My mom was worse than that, especially about the clothes that we wore, my brother and I. And let me tell you what her number one fear was. Make sure, son, 
that every day you put on clean underwear because you never know what's going to happen. You may end up in the emergency room and I don't want to be embarrassed because my boys didn't put on clean underwear. I'm serious. A lot of people listening, a lot of people that know me know my mother who passed away about 10 years ago, Gran, or Miss Alma, she was called. Great person, great prayer warrior. Um, Lived in Lafayette until just a couple of years before she passed away. We brought her to North Louisiana uh, because of early symptoms, early onset of Alzheimer. And uh, she was an amazing woman, but boy, she ruled the roost. Me, my brother, our grandkids, they were scared to death of Gran, and she took care of it all with a house shoe. I mean, she could wheel that house shoe and tear your bottom up. But she was most worried about our underwear. I don't know why. I just thought of that. I thought that was kind of funny. So what else is happening? Uh, folks, I don't know. There are so many things going on. I don't want to lose anything. I don't want to miss anything. There's so many important things, but we only have just a limited amount of time. And I'm looking at the stories that we pulled to talk about this morning, and we could just keep going on and on and on and not run out of uh, things to say, and we only have a two-hour window. A reminder, if you ever miss a show, TNN Live, there are several ways to go back and get them. It's very easy to do. Every day we post a story at truthnewsnet.org, and almost immediately after the show is over, at the bottom of that day's story, there'll be a a link. uh, It sticks out. It'll be in red down at the bottom, and you can click on that link, come back to the story if you miss all or part of a show, and uh, click on that link and get the whole show. You can download or listen to it there. No cost to you. If you have a Spotify account or an Apple podcast account, you can just look on there. Minutes after each show is over, Spotify and Apple grab our show and they post it on a page. Our show is titled TNN Live. And in either one of those formats, Spotify um, or Apple podcast, just Google or in the search bar, put TNN Live. And the index uh, comes up of that show. And every show we've done is listed in chronological order. The latest show, the daily show, that day's show comes up at the top with some explanations of the content of each show. Grab them anytime. No cost there. If you have a Spotify account or an Apple account, you can listen, download those accounts. So we don't want you to miss anything. What we do here, folks, we do it because we care. We don't monetize this show at all. We do it because we're very concerned about getting facts out in the marketplace. We want everybody to have options. We want everybody and we want to give everybody challenges with tidbits of information and challenge you to go verify their factual for yourself. Don't take anything that anybody tells you as absolute fact unless and until you verify for yourself. Take it as a challenge to go do a a little bit of homework. Well, in the midst of all of this COVID-19 insanity and the mandate stuff, which is insanity, 
A federal appeals court on Friday very quietly blocked an order that all California prison workers must be vaccinated against COVID or have a religious or medical exemption. And this came from the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, the most liberal appeals uh, court in the nation. That particular court covers like 13 states, all of them out west. That liberal court granted a request for a stay of September's lower court order pending an appeal. It also sped up the hearing process. They, they set a December 13th deadline for opening briefs. The VAX mandate was supposed to have taken effect by January 12th, but the appellate court says they're going to block that stay, the enforcement of it, until sometime in March when the appeal hearing will be scheduled. Yeah, when you think there's nobody out there that's got a right mind in this stuff, you find out every once in a while, yep, there are people out there that you would think were just out of the box in their thinking. And every once in a while, they make a good decision about something important. Did you hear what happened over the weekend? The DOJ, Joe Biden's Department of Justice, they released a 54-count indictment that charges 24 different people, many of who are illegal aliens. You know what they're charged for? Operating a modern-day slavery scheme. It utilizes those H-2A visas that program to traffic foreign workers into the United States for farm jobs, raping, kidnapping, and threatening them in the process. Patricio Transnational Criminal Organization. They actually have a name for it, and they abbreviate it, the TCO. It's named after its matriarch, a 70-year-old woman named Maria Leticia Patricio of operating a massive forced labor trafficking scheme, and they've been doing it for six years. And they've used the H-2A visa program to traffic foreign workers from Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and to farm jobs, not at our southern border, folks, in Georgia. Prosecutors have called the scheme modern-day slavery. They allege that 24 members of the TCO engaged in mail fraud, international forced labor trafficking, money laundering, among other crimes. And they've done that across Georgia, Florida, and in Texas. According to the indictment, the Patricio TCO raked in more than $200 million from the forced labor trafficking scheme. As part of it, the group sought to traffic more than 71,000 foreign workers to the U.S. using H-2A visas. That program allows farms to bring an unlimited number of foreign workers each year. And when they come, guess what? They're taking jobs, but they're taking them from Americans and legal immigrants in the agriculture sector. The program is often used to replace Americans, preserve the low cost of farm labor, and these big farms are owned in large part by big corporations who give big political contributions. And those political contributions have turned into H-2A visas authorized by whichever government is in charge at the time. And what's it all about, folks? Follow the money. The indictment alleges 
that this TCO, the name of this organization, would secure those visas for foreign workers, then demand they pay them unlawful fees by keeping their immigration paperwork from them, require them to work in harsh conditions for little to no pay, make them reside in brutal living conditions, and would threaten them with deportation if they disobeyed. In some cases, this is coming from the indictment, the trafficked foreign workers were required to dig onions in Georgia farms with their bare hands, were paid just 20 cents for each bucket they harvested, all while being threatened with violence. The various Georgia farms that contracted the trafficked foreign workers reside in Atkinson County, Bacon County, Coffee County, Tatnall County, Toombs County, and Ware County. Members of the TCO would launder their millions in profits from the scheme. How'd they do it? Through home and land purchases, cars, businesses, and casinos. Over the course of the investigation, the indictment states three members attempted to intimidate witnesses to lie to a federal grand jury. We got all the names of those involved. There are 24 of them. And, you know, what's surprising to me, none of this is surprising, what they did and that it, in fact, is being done. What surprises me is the Biden administration, that Department of Justice, actually did the investigation and ended up with indictments because this administration is up to its eyeballs in support and suborning all of the operations that go along with this flood of illegals coming across our southern border. That's Give me another explanation. If that's not true, if that's not the reason, 866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. Call us and let's talk about it. Convince me that's not what's going on. Meanwhile, talking about the southern border, Yuma Sector Border Patrol agents over the weekend arrested a guy named Juan Ramon Baron Casillas shortly after he illegally entered the U.S. Now, what's the big deal about that? Well, after an investigation, agents discovered Barron's criminal past, and it included a conviction in Texas for murder and the conviction for tampering with human remains. Sounds a little spooky. ICE officers deported this guy after he completed a two-year prison sentence for those crimes. I can't understand even in Texas how somebody could only serve two years for murder. Court records show Barron lost an appeal of his conviction with the Texas 11th Court of Appeals in February of this year. A Texas court convicted him on January 24, 2016, after cops were summoned to his house, they found two bodies hidden under a mobile home in Snyder, Texas, that Barron and his wife, Nicole, occupied. According to the records, Barron killed Joshua Hoover and Benjamin Bruns after they arrived at his home armed with a handgun and mace. Barron believed the two were attempting to rob him of drugs and money inside his house. According to Barron and his wife, they were watching movies, drinking, using drugs, marijuana, and cocaine. On that morning of the murders, at 4 a.m., they heard somebody knock on the back door. When Barron answered the door, armed with a knife, as he was not expecting visitors. 
When he answered the door, Barron told cops he saw two men dressed in black wearing ski masks. He rushed out of the mobile home and a struggle ensued. One of the assailants had a gun. The other one, according to Barron, attacked his wife. At the time, Barron's wife was armed with two knives. And as Barron stabbed one assailant repeatedly, the assailant discharged and dropped the firearm. Barron retrieved the gun, shot the second guy multiple times until he knew he was dead. After they killed him, Barron and his wife cleaned the crime scene. They dug up the dirt where Brunson Hoover's blood had accumulated. They hid the weapons used that were during the melee and hid the bodies under their mobile home. That's kind of gruesome. <laughs> I mean, that kind of makes a a good a good Halloween movie. I mean, think about it. You're in a mobile home, dark of night, four o'clock in the morning. You've been doing drugs all night long, watching TV, watching movies, and someone knocks on the door. You know they could only be up to no good. So you go to the door and you're armed with a knife. Sure enough, two men in ski masks are there. And so you and your wife, who's got two knives, <laughs> you kill them both. And then you hide their bodies. You can't make this up. You just can't make this up. So kind of some other ironies happened over the weekend. One of the things that was most ironic to me has to do with COVID, has to do with this new Omicron variant that was discovered. What did Joe do? What any good president would do. The source, the place where this is existing so far, all that we know other than a few cases through travel have gotten out of this area. South African, five countries in in uh, the south part of the continent of Africa, including South Africa, that country. That's where it's it's been uh, kind of so far, at least that's where it was discovered. We don't know about a bunch of other cases anywhere yet. So what did this president do? He immediately issued a travel ban. Joe Biden issued a travel ban. Now, what's the big deal about that? Well, there's a little uh, hypocrisy in his doing that. He was forced to confront his own past criticisms of, guess what? Travel bans. Travel bans. Remember back in 2020? Joe Biden was a candidate then, and he made fun. And he excoriated then-President Donald Trump as being xenophobic and argued that travel bans wouldn't stop the pandemic. That was after Donald Trump had placed restrictions on travel from China and Europe in the early stages of our COVID-19 outbreaks. Biden said at the time, quote, this is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysterical xenophobia and fear-mongering to lead the way instead of science. A wall will not stop the coronavirus. Banning all travel from Europe or any other part of the world will not stop it, Biden said. Now, he said this last year. This disease could impact every nation and any person on the planet, and we need a plan to combat it. He also argued a year ago travel restrictions based on favoritism and politics rather than a risk will be counterproductive. 
He tried to argue that his xenophobic comment was not specific to travel bans, and he meant to signify a broader criticism he had of the prior administration's approach to immigration. But he never walked back his comments. He never did. He never has. He never owns up when he's been exposed to any of the lies and gross misrepresentations that have been made on his watch and his administration, and including pretty much everything COVID-19 related. Friday, Biden announced it's restricting travel into the U.S. from several African countries. They apply to South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Lesotho, Eswatini, Mozambique, Malawi, and Nambia. Of course, conservatives resentlessly panned him, comparing his press criticisms to his current actions. Biden has just announced a travel ban on eight African nations because of the new Omicron variant of COVID. That's from Representative Lauren Boebert. Suddenly, travel bans aren't xenophobic? Does this also apply to the illegals at the southern border? Or are they exempt? As usual, she asked. And Americans, what did we do? SMH. I shook my head. I would say I shook my head in disbelief, but I believe pretty much anything, anything that happens in the news or we hear about in the news about the actions of this government, this administration, and the Democrat Party in general. Government, folks, I don't care who you are, which party you're affiliated with. When you look at Washington, D.C., and I mean really look at it, and you investigate or try to find things out, you're going to end up every day at the end of the day either drinking heavily or just shaking your head and then drinking heavily to try to forget about what you learn. This is craziness. Now, I'm going to tell you something that slipped up over the weekend. A friend sent me this story, and I could not believe it. It's not about anything happening in the U.S., but it's important to hear about. Word is coming out of Slovenia that is going to cause an unimaginable world reaction because word we get is what I'm about to tell you has been confirmed. On Saturday, the chief nurse of the University Medical Center, um, it's in Slovenia, and it deals with the administration of vaccine vials and manages everything. The woman over that at this hospital quit her job, went in front of TV cameras, and she took out some vaccine bottles in the interview. I've seen the interview. She showed the gathering journalist the codes on these three bottles. Each had a final number, the code did, of either one, two, or three in the code. And then she explained the meaning of those numbers. Listen to this, folks. The number one at the end of the code on one bottle means it's a placebo. It's nothing but saline. Number two is the classic mRNA vaccine. Number three, listen to this, is an RNA stick containing the ONC gene, and that's related to adenovirus, which contributes, among other things, to the development of cancer. 
Now, let me repeat that. At this hospital in Slovenia, the chief nurse of the University Medical Center quit her job. And on Saturday, she got right out in front of the hospital with the press called in. She had three bottles in her hands. Each of the bottles contained supposed medicine and the codes on the bottles each ended in either the number one, the number two, or the number three. Again, the number one bottle is a placebo. That's what it contains. Nothing but saline. Number two is the classic mRNA vaccine. Number three is an RNA stick containing a gene related to adenovirus. Adenovirus contributes, among other things, to the development of cancer. For these who got jabbed from bile whose code number ends in three, she said people who receive them will have soft tissue cancer within two years. And this is the part that blew my mind. She said that she and her position as chief nurse of the whole medical center, she personally witnessed the vaccinations of all politicians in the capital city and very wealthy people, tycoons, each one of those received the vial from the vial with the number one. Number one, every one of them. That was a placebo. I think it's noteworthy. None of them got a vaccination from number two, which is one of the three COVID-19 vaccinations. The media in Slovenia were told to bury this story. Fierce efforts at containing this information are ongoing. We were able to find out from someone in news over there that gives us information from time to time on an anonymous basis that it has been confirmed it actually happened. If we get any more of that, folks, we'll be sure and share it with you. I, I, it, I would say... I can't believe that. I can't believe that. But I'm not going to say that, folks. Pretty much today, if if I and when I say something, I can't believe it, I find out, yep, yeah. More and more of the egregious things that come out, we should have believed the first time we heard them. I keep going back to this thing about in the beginning. You know, the mass story, I can't tell you how many people in my life, people that I've known and loved, some for decades, And when I ever came out at the very beginning and began to question the efficacy of mask and mask wearing, and I started doing some just cursory fundamental investigation, and I found case study after case study that said the virus, the COVID-19 virus cell, is smaller. It's smaller than the smallest opening in the material that, constitutes any of the face mask on the marketplace in the United States and the world, with the exception of one, the N95 mask, if and only if it's worn with an oxygen oxygenator, in other words, sealed off from the outside. That was, gosh, that was back in the late spring 2020. I had people call me. I had people confront me on Facebook and Twitter and send me emails telling me, You shouldn't do that. That's a conspiracy theory. You're going to, by talking about that, you're going to put people, put their lives in jeopardy. And it just kept going on and on and on and on. 
And I had enough of it about four months ago. And so we did what we do here. We did a deep dive to find out the actual facts, at least the medical laboratory testing. I mean, controlled laboratory testing of some mask, medical masks, to find out if and what the efficacy of each of these masks are. And you know what's kind of ironic? I found one spot that published in their entirety 47 different controlled laboratory mask investigations. All the masks on the marketplace in the United States and around the world. 47. I'm not talking about one or two. 47. And among these 47 were numbered the testing with all the evidence and facts that justified their findings of all the different masks that are in production out there and being used. And the findings of all 47 were unanimous. You know what their findings were? There's only one mask in manufacturing status anywhere in the world that has even a chance of stopping COVID-19 virus cells. Which one is that? The N95 mask or a mask like it that is sealed and the person wearing it breathes from oxygen. Guess where that test that I found was published? Buried deep in the basement. Online, by the way. Publicly available. The Centers for Disease Control, CDC, had 47. They have it today. I looked the other day and it was still up. 47 different tests that prove masks don't work. And large cloth masks will actually hurt people. But that's a story for another day. Facts matter, folks. That's what we dig for and encourage you to dig for too here at TNN Live. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Duncan. Price of participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. ABC Tonight, it's all about big cash. Here we go! And big crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. To win it all. The big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Suite. On your carts! Get set! Yeah. And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. You are on fire! It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're 
you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Everyone thinks they can handle the truth. But the want and the will are two different things. Truthnewsnet.org Once again, Dan Newman. Following that little bump by Pete Moss, let me just bring up something. And we're going to go, a story I teased going into a previous break that we were going to do coming out of it. And we launched into another story about what's going to happen in 2024 if Joe Biden decides not to run or even if Joe Biden decides to run, um, which I got to be honest with you, I, for one, have predicted for a long time he's not going to make the four years of his first term. So that would mean it's highly unlikely, in my opinion, that he's going to run for re-election. But who's going to replace him? And I want to get to that. But before that, let me tell you what's coming up this week that is probably one of the biggest things, the biggest cases that will ever be heard by the United States Supreme Court. Yeah, there's a Mississippi case that has been ruled in uh, emergency status, so the Supreme Court's going to jump all over it and hear oral arguments this week, and it regards abortions. So with that brewing this week in D.C., I'm surprised over the holiday we didn't hear all kinds of uproar and furor about it because it is so contentious. Hundreds of women harmed by second and third trimester abortions are urging the Supreme Court to this week overturn Roe v. Wade They filed a joint amicus brief divulging painful details of regretted procedures, abortions. When I say hundreds, 375 women signed affidavits describing how they were harmed by their abortions. In those affidavits, they detail injuries that include punctured uteruses, punctured colon, sterility, and excessive bleeding, among other side effects. One woman whose cervix was sealed by scar tissue from an abortion she had the month before her wedding described her and her baby nearly dying in childbirth Excuse me, from a later pregnancy. She suffered 13 years of infertility, had four miscarriages after her only child was born. The affidavit were collected as part of Operation Outcry, the world's largest collection of legally admissible testimonies from women harmed by abortions. Alan Parker, who's the president of the Justice Foundation, began collecting them when he was lead counsel for Norma McCorvey, who identified herself as the Roe of Roe v. Wade as she pushed to reverse the landmark ruling made on her behalf. Very few people know that. The Supreme Court's going to hear these arguments on Wednesday in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, which relates to whether prohibitions on abortion services in the second or third trimesters of pregnancy are even constitutional. The affidavits include many complaints that patients didn't understand the procedure, weren't aware of how developed the baby was, were not informed of the physical and psychological side effects of abortion, Numerous women said doctors told them the baby was not a person, but just a clump of cells. One of them said, I was told what I had inside me was a piece of flesh, not a baby. I was told that having an abortion would be the solution to my problem, 
which was being pregnant, one woman wrote. I was told I would have no side effects later if I wanted kids. I was not told about the deep emotional and psychological suffering I would go through. She went on to describe her subsequent struggles with addiction, depression, and numerous attempted suicides. She said her lack of self-worth, the result of the abortion, drove her decision to stay in a relationship after she was raped. Abortion advocates have pushed campaigns aimed at telling stories of women who were positive about making the decision to end a pregnancy. The Shout Your Abortion social media movement was popularized in 2015 to destigmatize the procedure, celebrate abortion's accessibility. The movement encouraged women to be vocal about their abortions and unashamed. Actress Michelle Williams, she delivered a speech at the 2020 Golden Globes claiming she could have not become an award-winning actress without the abortion she had in earlier life. She was pregnant and the mother of a 14-year-old at the time. One woman whose testimony is quoted in the amicus brief said no one told her what was actually involved in abortion before she had hers. I was not given any literature spelling out or illustrating what I was about to do. I was a lot later in the pregnancy than I thought I was. They initially said they thought I was too far along, but they did a pelvic exam and then decided they would go ahead and do it. She recalled the doctor saying, I think that's the biggest one we've ever done. Two things come to mind. Number one, my wife, and I'm sure every woman listening in and every man listening in today that has a wife, you or your spouse have certainly gotten invitations to go to a shower for an upcoming birth. My wife has never gotten an invitation to a fetus shower. They're always a baby shower. And I don't think babies are babies until they're born. That's what the abortionists think. I think a baby's a baby at the moment of inception. And then let me just point this one thing out. Just imagine down the line. We don't know. Nobody can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that life does not begin until birth. And nobody can say without a shadow of doubt that life begins in inception. But here's a question I ask all those that are pushing for abortions. What are these would-be moms through generations, through centuries, that have opted to have abortions and those who have committed the abortions, that they've actually done them, and those that are out politicizing it, promoting it, and pushing others to do it, how are you going to feel if at some point in history you find out that your actions actually killed human beings? There's no going back and undoing your actions. There's no going back and um, redoing things. You can't go back in time at all. You're going to have to live with the knowledge that, first of all, you have killed at least one if you've had an abortion, one person. 
multiple abortions, obviously multiple people. But what if you're one of those that, for instance, you manage Planned Parenthood operations around the nation, which primarily exists to promote and actually do abortions on women, federally funded abortions, by the way, what are you going to think? What are you going to feel? Maybe you've never had an abortion, but you're going to be guilty in your mind of contributing, suborning abortions for dozens, if not hundreds, of other women. And what about you guys out there that have pushed a girlfriend or a spouse to have an abortion because you didn't want to deal with the fallout that comes along with having a kid? Maybe it wasn't a good time in your life. Maybe it wasn't a good time to do that. I mean, we're talking about realities, folks. Those are some things. Wouldn't you like to come down at the end of it all and have made a decision on the side of life? You gave you gave the, uh, the edge in your consideration to life itself. Because what's the worst that could happen if you push away having an abortion? And the baby's born. What's the worst that could happen? A baby is born. If your circumstances don't give you the impetus to push forward at raising that child, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people on planet Earth that can't have babies that are standing in line today to adopt them and give them a life. Why not opt for that? That way you would never know at the end If we find out that abortions are killing babies, killing people, at the end of it all, if you adopt it, if you allowed adoption to happen for your baby when it's born, you're at least going to know you did not kill a human being. That's the worst that could happen. That's not, that's not a bad option, folks. It's not. Before we get away, and we still have... uh, a few minutes here, but before we get away, this question about who's going to replace a Joe Biden if Biden doesn't make it to the end of this term or if he does and he decides not to run for re-election. So a couple of names have been thrown into the consideration over the weekend, and here they are. Well, we have a new poll this morning. Vice President Kamala Harris, apparently the top choice for Democrats, should President Biden choose not to run again in 2024. This is according to a new The Hill Harris X poll. It is by a slim margin. 13% of registered voters are backing her. 10% say that they would support a presidential run from former First Lady Michelle Obama. And 36% say they are not sure who that they would vote for. This comes as both the president and vice president face plummeting poll numbers. In a USA Today Suffolk University poll earlier this month, Harris received just 28% job approval rating. Dagan, I remember a couple of uh, months ago, we had a different poll saying that the Democrats were pushing Pete Buttigieg forward. What are your thoughts? I don't buy this poll at all. And if you add I up, don't either. add up Kamala Harris and Michelle Obama, it's 23%, but 36% are unsure. Number one, Michelle Obama will never run for president. Number two, Kamala Harris dropped out of the uh, nomination competition for the uh, Dem nomination even before the first voting contest. Her approval is even lower than Joe Biden. That's how that's how she is thought of by voters in this country. She is 
awkward to say the least when she gets in front of a camera. That's one of the reasons that her approval ratings are so low. I can't imagine, despite the fact that she's the vice president of the United States, I can't imagine that she winds up running for the presidency against the Republican contender in three years' time. Yeah. I don't know what that, maybe this is about getting Michelle Obama's name out there, Dagan. You know, I mean, look, obviously they need something. These approval ratings are indicative of a changing, uh, a, a changing perception from the American people. Your thoughts? Angela, you want to jump in here? Because I, again, Michelle Obama is beloved, but she's not a politician. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's right. And if the Democrats' options are Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg, they're choosing between the person who oversaw the border crisis and the person who oversaw the, the supply chain crisis. So they have no good options. And floating Michelle Obama's name is just a, a poor attempt to disguise that. Yep. They don't have much of an option, folks. They really don't. I mean, come on now. If you think about Michelle Obama, what has she got going in her favor? No doubt about it, she was a very popular first lady. A lot of people bought into the Obama administration. You know, first people of color to live in the White House. I get all that. But substantively, substantively, not a lot of substance there. And either one of them. So Democrats are floundering. Thank you so much for being here today. We always love having you along. We will be back every day this week, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time, right here at Truth News Network. Check out our stories published every day at truthnewsnet.org. See you tomorrow, folks. Have a good one.